scripture this morning. We have three different passages. The first passage is 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. We go back to Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Romans 6, 11, 14. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And the last verses are in Galatians chapter 5, the first three verses. Galatians 5, 1, 2, and 3. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again I declare to every man who sets himself to be, who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. May God add his, add, add his blessing. Boy, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse with COVID, Pastor West gets it, he's taken out for the week, and now you've got to put up with me. I've been praying for you people. I've been praying for you. So I'll tell you the story real quick. I'm at, I'm at work on Wednesday. It's my day off, and I'm, I'm at work. So, you know, I'm already having fun. And uh, I receive a phone call, but I'm kind of busy. And, you know, so I don't answer it. And I see it's Doug. I'm like, what the heck is Doug calling me for? So I have a moment to step out later on. And, and I get this, uh, I listen to the voicemail. Hey, uh, Keith, it's Doug at church. Uh, we need you to preach on Sunday if you can. Uh, Wes is out with COVID. And uh, by the way, the topic is going to be uh, uh, true. Uh, it's going to be a new creation, freedom, and balance. And uh, you know, we need you if you can. Let me know as soon as possible. Well, if you back up one hour, and, and this is you know kind of how God's timing works in this whole situation. This was my scheduled weekend to work. I, I have a weird work schedule, and people are like, "Well, how do you? How do you?" How do you deal with that weird work schedule where you got to work every other weekend? It's real simple. They pay me well to do it. So, so don't feel bad for me. But anyways, so I was supposed to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you back up an hour before Doug calls me, a guy comes up to me because I've been on the other shift and says, hey, I need next Friday off. I have these plans, and can you do a switch day with me? And we're allowed to trade days, right? 
And, I, and I'm like, sure, you know, hey, uh, can you work Sunday for me? You know, I was thinking, hey, I'd like to have Sunday off and come to church on Sunday. And wasn't thinking preach, but, you know, here I am. So, but, it, you know, it's just kind of funny how it all works out. And then, and to be honest with you, what really had me saying, oh, yeah, let's do this was the topic. Um, this is one of my favorite topics in, in, in the New Testament, in, in Scripture. So, um, the, the, the only negative was, you know, the prep time, you know, because, I mean, think about it. Usually, when I preach here, I'm, I'm notified months in advance. And I have all this time to think and to pray and to, and to prepare and to get ready. And, I mean, you know, I've had a lot of prep time the last two days because, you know, I had to work 12 and a half hours Friday and Saturday. So this is just, you know, all kind of worked out really good for me. But, no, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm trying to be funny. So uh, since, since I'm preaching on short notice, it would really help if you would laugh at my jokes, even if they're not funny. Thank you very much. But um, I, I wasn't, I, wa- I, didn't even have, I didn't even have really enough time to come up with the title of the sermon. So in, in the uh, bulletin, it says New Creation, Freedom, and Balance. But I actually put a name to it last night as, you know, I was thinking about my final thoughts uh, for today and praying and asking the Lord for guidance. And today's sermon title is actually going to be True Freedom in Christ. So, in order to enjoy true freedom in Christ, you must first, real simple, know Jesus. But, I think it's really critical to also understand the new covenant. It is different than the old covenant, and that is a good thing for us. Hebrews chapter 8 does a great job in shedding some light into this. So if you could, in your Bibles or on your phone, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. And this is what, it, this is what the, how the scripture reads. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises so just to give you a little highlight to the context before these verses they're basically talking about Jesus being a high priest and they're and, and they're doing a contrast or a comparison sorry between Jesus and the old priests so The writer here is clearly saying that, one, this new covenant is superior, and it's established, it's it's established on better promises. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever read the, the the Old Testament, but there's a lot of really good promises in there, and for the people of Israel, so this is a good thing for us. So it's even better, is what I'm trying to say, and what the scripture is trying to say. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people. So we're going to talk a little bit about the law today because it's, it's critical to understanding freedom. And what I don't 
want you to hear is that I'm bashing the law or I'm demeaning the law because that's not what I'm doing, all right? The law is good and holy and just, right? The problem is, and it's right here in this verse, is when you try to go up underneath it or when we try to go up under it. When you put people underneath the law, that's when the problem occurs. So pay really close attention to that. So verse 8 says, But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. So we notice that this new covenant is not like the old covenant. You know, one of the objections sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get when I'm teaching this is, well, God doesn't change. And you know what? Yes, that's true. God's, God in his nature does not change. But the way he relates to people did when Jesus stepped on the scene. That's a fact. It says it right here. And, and why did God do this? Because we could not remain faithful to the old one. Again, the problem is not with the old covenant or the law in and of itself. The problem is when you go up underneath it, when you go up underneath that, that covenant, that Old Testament covenant. So you guys remember when Moses, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, when Moses came down, right, with the Ten Commandments, right, from the mountain, face all shining, right? You remember the people's response to that? We will do everything written in the book of the law. How well did they do? Not very good, right? We all know the story, right? They didn't do very well. Their performance was not up to par. And that's why Jesus, has to, why Jesus had to come, because we could not remain faithful. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. So we'll know what to do and will have the desire to do it. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No if. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Wow, isn't that a beautiful promise for us? God is not remembering our sins in Jesus. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is, aging, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So as you can see, there's already God is saying, hey, there's, there's some differences here between this old and new covenant, and it's good to know them differences, because the new one is founded on better promises, and guess what? The new one sets us free. So, when talking about the law, if you turn to Galatians 3, 19 through 25, the law shows us that we are prisoners of sin. So, Galatians 3, 19 through 25. Why, then, was the law given at all? 
It was added because of the transgression until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held Custody, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would, would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, or as some older translations say, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So let's get this straight, right? When talking about law in Old Testament, it uses, it uses the words locked up, right? Taken into custody, right? You have the right to remain silent, right? Taken into custody, locked up, and there's a guardian, so there's a guard standing watch. Right? Now, I'm a little familiar with this stuff. For those of you who know me well, I have a history. And for those of you who don't, you're about to hear some of it. So I did two years in prison for being a drug dealer. So this, this really speaks to me of being taken into custody, right? Being locked up and a guard standing watch. So it really hits home to me. But by the grace of God, while I was sitting in the DeKalb County Jail, I decided that, you know, it's time for me to take a look at my life. And what I noticed was that under my control, it was a disaster. Under my supervision, it was horrible. And I needed help. So I reached out to Christ. I called upon the name of the Lord while I was sitting in that county jail cell, and I received Christ. And in that moment, I was set free. And today, Jesus is still living inside of me, helping me to remain free in him. So we have a choice, right? We have a choice. We can either be locked up under that old system or... We can be under the new covenant or the new system and be free in Christ. The next point, the law is a ministry of death and condemnation. What? 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. I had to read this a lot to understand this. I mean, like probably hundreds of times I had to read this for really to sink in. But it's beautiful when you start to understand it. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. There's that new covenant word again. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, meaning the law, but the spirit. 
for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. What was engraved on letters on stone? Anybody? Any biblical scholars out there or very knowledgeable people? The Ten Commandments came with glory so the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation, meaning the law, was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Amen. So, I'd like to point out a few things there. One, we are ministers of this new covenant, and God has made us competent. So be confident in the Lord's ability. Second of all, the law kills and condemns us. Now, who was it that came along and offered us life, which is the opposite of killing, if I, if I have that calculation correct? Jesus, right? This is why Jesus came to offer us life, because he knew the law was not the solution. He knew he was the solution, and he, he nailed it. It is finished, he said. He did it for us. Under the law, sin is your master, Romans 6, 11 through 14. And this was already read uh, previously. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Why? Why? Because you are. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Right? So count yourselves dead to sin because you are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Right? So the law brings death. The solution is that Jesus brings life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. So let's look at that really carefully. Why is sin no longer your master? Because you're not under the law. So what happens if you're under the law? Sin's your master. That's what that's saying. But we're not under the law anymore. Because of Jesus, we're under grace and we're set free. And the whole point of this, it, 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 right here, it, it's the solution. It's Jesus. It's the reason I preach. It's Jesus. Only in Christ do we find true freedom. You know, the, 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 this word freedom is sometimes scary because so, sometimes as a believer, you equate freedom with sin, Right? If God frees us up, right, oh my gosh, we're just going to go out and send up a storm. But that's not what grace is. That's not what true freedom is, and we're going to see that in these verses, okay? So 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. 
Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So turn to Jesus is what Paul is trying to say here. If you want to see clearly, turn to Jesus. He's the solution. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord there is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, law locked up under custody, right? Spirit, Jesus, freedom. It's our choice. What do we want, right? God gives us the opportunity, but we have to make the choice. Galatians 5, 1 through, 1 through 3, again, this was read and shared this morning. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did Jesus set you free? So you could be free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So, so Christ sets us free, right? And here we go. Now we have this choice or this decision as Christians to make on a daily basis, right? We can enjoy that relationship and enjoy that freedom with Jesus, or we can go right back to slavery again and set up a storm. It's our choice. It's our decision. But guess what? If you want peace, if you want joy, if you want fulfillment, right? If you want to live a life that is pleasing to God and where you're fulfilled and you wake up and you get to experience the grace of God, then you got to choose Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's the solution. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. And I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to the whole law. So what Paul is dealing with here is in Galatians, these people snuck in, the, Judaator, the Judaizers, they came in, they saw that the Galatians had the freedom in Christ, right? And what, is this, what does the enemy love to do? He loves to steal our freedom. So these guys came in and they say, nope, Jesus isn't enough. You need to get circumcised too. So they were trying to add to what Christ already accomplished. And Paul has some very stern and harsh words for the people that fell for this teaching. He said, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Later on in this, you know what he says about them false teachers? I wish they would have go ahead and emasculated themselves. Ooh, that's pretty harsh words, right? So Paul is trying to keep us focused on Christ, in other words. Because guess what? The law is not a pick-and-choose proposition. It's all or nothing. It's all 613 or nothing. 
It's not just the ones you want to keep. You either keep it all or you don't keep it at all. That's why Jesus had to come, because we cannot keep it all. We fail all the time. Later on in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 13, you, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So how do you use this freedom, right? There it is again. We're called to be free. How do we use this freedom? We use this freedom to love God and serve others. It's that simple. It's that simple. Love God, serve others, right? I'm sorry, I'm getting a little choked up when I think about this, but you people are a great example of that. When I stepped foot into this church 22 years ago, January 25th, 2000, I stepped foot in this church, fresh out of prison, not knowing what was in front of me, right? But I knew God would take care of me. I was confident in that. You got, you people have encouraged me and have prayed for me and have lifted me up in prayer and have, you know, if you look at me and say, wow, Keith's life is so great now, that's because God put you people in there and encouraged me. And he did it all. But you people have been a huge part of that. And I am so appreciative that you were effective ministers of the new covenant, that you obeyed the call, that you guys obeyed the call to do this, to serve me humbly in love. And that's why I'm up here. I want to return the favor. I want to serve you humbly in love by preaching this truth that Jesus is everything. And I want you to be encouraged by that. You know, there's people that they, they want to say, well, if you teach freedom, then people are going to, they're just going to go sin up a storm. No. Titus chapter 2 tells us what real grace does. Grace, right, is freedom, Right? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. This is what real grace teaches. For the grace of God has appeared, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, meaning the grace of God. So the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the grace of God, the freedom of Christ, does not teach you to go sin up a storm. It teaches you to do the opposite. It teaches you to walk with Christ and to live godly. This is not a scary teaching. This is the truth. It's only scary if you don't understand it and you allow Satan to, to get you in a corner and try to trap you. He doesn't want you to know this because he doesn't want you to experience true contentment in life and fulfillment and let me tell you right now, from personal experience, that Christ, that the Lord has got the market cornered on fulfillment in life. You will find it no other place. And I am confident in that. So what did we learn today? If we want to be locked up, we know where to turn. Sin, put yourself under the law. Again, it's not because the law is bad in and of itself. It's when people go up underneath it, right? But if we want to experience true freedom, true joy, true peace, then we turn to Jesus. Amen.